This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. So I have a friend, and she's a college student, and um, she's somebody that I I care about what happens in her life, and I'm I'm pulling for her. She's got some challenges she's facing, and um, I'm, I've got some I've got some hope, and and she does too. But she does have some serious struggles that she's been going through, and she tweeted this the other day. Um, she said, it almost baffles me that there are people that don't deal with anxiety and depression daily. Like, what are you all doing? Are you just having fun or what? And the difference between her and a lot of other people is she's just being honest about it, right? Um, that she, you know, she's like looking around at the people around her and just saying, what? Are, are all these people not having any anxiety or depression? Because that's so much of where she lives and what, what her world looks like right now. And I think that makes sense to a lot of you. Um, youth group members, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and uh, the outline looks a lot the same. Um, don't worry, it won't hurt you to hear it again. And uh, it's not going to be all the same anyway. But uh, I think it makes sense to a lot of you, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a youth group member, whether you're um, a parent with children, whether you're a senior citizen, um, that there's this anxiety and depression and you live a lot of your life, whether you call it that or not, you live a lot of your life really worried about the people in your family fighting or the people at work fighting with each other. You're worried about uh, the ways you feel like maybe you don't measure up or you're not good enough. You're worried about people that you love doing heartbreaking things. You're worried about our nation or the world. But before you, there's, there's two ways that you could just give up on this right now. One way is that if you struggle with anxiety, depression, worry, all that, you're like, he's talking about this, is it just going to make it worse? I, I don't want to think about this. Why did I come to church today? And if you're worried that you're going to like spiral down during this message today, let me tell you, there's some hope here. Like God, I was praying for you this week and, and I was actually struggling to pray for you and not worry about you in my message about worry. Uh, but I was praying for you this week and I feel like God gave me some some hope and some peace about this. And, and I want to, I want to tell you like, this is, there's going to be some hope here. Okay. Then on the other side, you could give up on this message. If you're like anxiety and depression, that's all that liberal hooey that they talk about. And there's, there's nothing wrong with these people except just need to, you know, work harder and, and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and, and all that kind of thing. And if, if you're going to give up on this already from that perspective, just let me tell you until you've had this yourself, or until you've had somebody in your family that really struggles with chronic anxiety, depression, that kind of thing, maybe you can think that way. But if that's you, listen, because the Word of God, the Bible, has some things to say about this that you need to hear, okay? Right at the start and throughout, we are going to look at Jesus, okay? The, the, way, the way to face all of life, period, all of it, is to look at Jesus, okay? So John fourteen twenty seven, and mostly we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today. So if you've got a Bible and you want to go to Philippians chapter 4, you can also open the YouVersion app and all the scriptures are in there uh, if you find the, the Church of God event for today. But uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to spend more time than anywhere else. But the first verse here, we're going to look at Jesus. So let's look at what he said in John fourteen twenty seven. One of the most hope-filled verses in the whole Bible, he says, Peace I leave with you. 
My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus said that to his disciples less than 24 hours before he was arrested and went to the cross and was killed. He knew that was coming. He knew what his disciples, his friends, were about to go through. And he said this to them. Peace I give you. My peace I give you. He knew they were about to go through the worst day of their lives. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And then Philippians 4, I told you we were going to get there. Philippians 4, uh, start at verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Another, tr- another translation says, A peace surpasses understanding. A peace that doesn't make sense is another way to say that. If you've been in youth group, you've heard me say this a million times, but God gives peace when it makes sense to have stress. When it makes sense to be worked up and uncomfortable, God can give you a peace that does not make sense. That's awesome. That's miraculous. Um, I've talked to people in the last two weeks that have lost someone close to them. And even in the process of grief and all that, yes, there's this deep, deep sadness and grief. But even threaded, there's this thread of light and hope and peace, even in the worst moments, when it makes sense to just have depression and despair. Peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that transcends, rises of, over and above and even through and underneath all of our stress and worry. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. These two verses, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, do not be afraid. This verse from Paul, don't be anxious about anything, he says. So it's easy, it's easy to say that, don't be afraid, don't be anxious, but you're facing sometimes some really difficult stuff. Yes, you absolutely are. I know some of your stories, I don't know near all of them. I know that some of you are facing some serious stuff right now. And if you're not, listen up anyway, because chances are you will sometime soon. And I, I mean, already, right? We're, we're so full of hope, right? Because I, you came to church and you're so glad because the preacher said, if you're not facing something tough, you will soon, right? Super hopeful stuff. But the scriptures, these scriptures give hope anyway, because it's not me saying this to you, a guy who has trouble worrying about things myself. It's God saying this to you. That God, through His Word, says to you, don't be worried or afraid. Don't be anxious about anything. And it's not some self-help advice channel on YouTube. It's not some guy who says if he can, he can guarantee if you change your diet in these three easy ways, your anxiety will go away. It's, it's God saying this to you. And our goal here isn't to just help you feel better for a while. Our goal here is to help you find a real peace and freedom and hope. That even if your anxiety gets you for a whole week or longer, that you can have a peace and a freedom and hope that even if your brain chemicals go all wacky and you can't seem to get out of this feeling of anxiety, that you can have a real peace and a real hope. 
And let's look at some of the main causes today for anxiety and depression. Number one, physical and chemical causes for anxiety and stress and depression and all that. Uh, One of the biggest ones is just no sleep. If you are lacking sleep, everything gets worse. And now when I say that, I recognize kind of the weird the weird dynamic that goes on when I tell you like, hey, if you're not getting enough sleep, your anxiety and depression is going to be worse. And then you're like, oh, great. So now I'm lying there, not sleeping. And now I'm more worried about it. Right? And so that, that's not going to help me sleep anymore. I, I, I recognize that's kind of a weird thing to say, right? But, but let's look at some of the reasons that you don't sleep, all right? Right there in that, on that paper, uh, doom scrolling. You guys know what doom scrolling is? Some of you don't have a smartphone somehow, miraculously, after all this time, you still don't have a smartphone. Uh, doom scrolling mostly will be eliminated from your life then. But doom scrolling is where you look at a story, a news story, whether it's in the, like the news app or on Facebook or other social media or something. You read a story about something depressing going on in our world. And the computer algorithm that showed you that story is really smart. And it realizes if you read that story, obviously you want to see other stories about depressing stuff going on in our world. And so it'll give you five links at the bottom of that story for more depressing stuff you can read. <clears throat> Isn't that nice? And so you, you sit there, you finish all your stuff for the day, you finally sit down in your recliner, you're finally lying in your bed, and you're doom scrolling. You're going from one depressing story to the next. If you watch the TV news at night, they do kind of the same thing. Because the ratings follow the panic, don't they? And so... Fox News, CNN, whatever your particular flavor of news is, they are happy to freak you out about what's going on in this world. And they recognize that that gets you to watch because you're afraid. You know the local TV news? You know how they they put like a little blurb about what's going to be on the news at 11? And they're like, a new danger that will kill your family and destroy your life. Details at 11. And it's like, don't eat Tide Pods. Well, obviously... But they know that you're going to tune back in because you just freaked out about the little teaser that they put on, right? This is doom scrolling. I preach to you about this today as a man who doom scrolls, all right? Cindy will get, you know, we're, we're like, we sit down and we like put on something funny like The Office or whatever. And, but she sees me and I'm, I'm over there in my recliner doing this. She's like, are you doom scrolling again? No. Yes. Okay. Doom scrolling will cause you to lose sleep. Don't do it. Scraping loops. You know what a scraping loop is? Here's a scraping loop. Uh, multiple um, social media apps do this. The user interface is built like this where if you want to see the new stories, this is Twitter right here that I got pulled up. You pull it down, scrape it, and then it refreshes and pulls up the new stuff. You're sitting there and you don't want to think about whatever you're worried about and stressed out about. So you're like, oh, maybe there'll be a new thing if I scrape here. Um, I scrape again. Nope. No new stories. Scrape again. No new stories. Um, and then I just pulled up a, it just, the most recent tweet that came in is, uh, something about racism and senators fighting with each other. Isn't that great? So scraping loops don't help at all. Uh, same kind of deal on Instagram. Instagram can be a really great app if you only follow uh, people who kind of make you more helpful or make you more hopeful rather. Um, you know, if all, if you just be careful who you follow, so all you see is their nice pictures of their puppies and their kids and things like that, man, Instagram can be great, but same kind of user interface. I uh, scrape it. Um, 
if, you, if you're just trying to distract yourself and all you, all you do is just keep scraping, hoping there's going to be something else new come in, scrape it, scrape it, scrape it. That's a scraping loop. And, and this is something that we don't realize that we're doing. Um, psychiatrists actually write papers on this kind of thing, okay? Um, and it keeps you from sleeping. Um, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I get in a scraping loop before I realize it. Uh, another cause of lack of sleep this happens mostly on, again, smartphones, things like that, is addiction to conflict. It isn't just smartphones. There are entire television shows that get millions of people to watch them because they're all about people fighting with each other. Um, a lot of reality TV is about people fighting with each other. And you can get this addiction to other people's conflict because it makes you, maybe you, you hope that it's going to make you forget about the stuff you're going through. Addiction to conflict also uh, comes when there's a social media thread where all these people are arguing in the comments, and you get this addiction to reading the entire argument, all those comments, 150, 200 comments sometimes. You read the whole thing, and people screenshot it and send it to each other. An addiction to conflict will make you lose sleep. You think, if I read about this comment, this conflict, maybe it'll help me forget about my conflict. But man, that'll mess with you. Then the next cause of loss of sleep there is life envy. And this happens because you see what other people post. They post their good stuff, right? Joe's talked about this. Like they post their, their vacations and their clean house and their sunset photos and things like that. And you just see all that they put on, in public and you get life envy. And, and it isn't just... Social media, it's like Chip and Joanna. You know, they, they put the good stuff on TV, obviously. Nothing wrong with Chip and Joanna, at least I don't think so. But, um, they, you know, they put the good stuff on TV. And so you get life envy thinking, man, my life is terrible compared to theirs. And uh, when we first had our twins, they're four years old now, but when our twins were first born, Andy and Johnny, uh, the, there, there was this meme, or this viral thing going around where there was these baby twins they were still like in their carrier car seats and it looked like they were talking to each other. And, you know, they weren't saying words, but it was like this sort of baby babble and it looked like they were talking to each other. And that went viral at the time when Andy and Johnny were born. Well, I had this day where Cindy had taken off to Walmart, so she was gone for a couple hours and Andy and Johnny were unhappy. Like it was a bad day for Andy and Johnny. Um, and they were just crying, 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 screaming their heads off. And you know, you could really only comfort one at a time. Like I'd pick up one and kind of hold him and try to comfort him. But if you try to do both, you got this double football hold going. It didn't really work. Like it, it was, I mean, I could carry them both around and kind of bounce them a little bit, but that's the best I could do. And so, you know, I'd put one down, comfort the other one for a while and then trade off after a while. And I got to this point where I was just kind of, my brain kind of went wacky. And uh, I remembered that viral thing with the twins talking to each other. And I was like, I filmed, like, I took out my phone and filmed like 10 seconds of them in their little seats crying at the, the top volume. And I put it on Facebook and I said, hey, you know that thing where those twins are talking to each other? Ours do better than that. They sing duets. And, <laughs> and uh, most of you, like most of you who follow me on Facebook, you, you responded with funny comments and things like that. But there was this lady that I knew grow, growing up who, who posted a comment on that, on that little video clip and she said, you didn't pick them up and hold them? Poor little things. And I typed so many replies to that. And they were good. Like, I got her. 
and then I never sent them, right? Like, I, I typed them out. Like, I actually typed them in there, and I was like, oh, I'm, and then, and then I'd, like, delete it and never send it. And I'd, I'd try again. Like, I was like, oh, well, I, I think, like, the, the Holy Spirit was like, don't send that. So I'd like, okay, delete it. And then I'd try again a different way. And I never ended up replying to her, fortunately. But like, you, you, get, you get this life envy because people, I had made a mistake of not just posting the good stuff, right? Um, like when the, the twins are laughing or whatever. Like I had made the mistake of, of breaking that, that sort of faux pas of social media that you only post the good stuff. But you get life envy and this causes stress. It causes lack of sleep. It causes all kinds of things. Main advice for lack of sleep, turn off the screens. Phone, tablet, TV, turn off the screens. Whatever it is. Those verses I read from Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The very next verse is, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Fill your mind with these things. The things I mentioned, doom scrolling, life envy, those things are not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. They're not any of that. So yes, you can get some true, noble, etc. things on your phone at night. You can get the YouVersion app and have the uh, guy with the cool British accent read you the Psalms while you're trying to fall asleep out loud. Um, that's great. That's free. You can turn that on and do it. There's some good things you can get from your phone while you're trying to fall asleep, but probably the best advice is just to turn off the screens. Phones, TV, gaming, all of it. Turn off the screens. And if your thoughts are still in a brutal death spiral, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, read verses 6 through 8 several times, and then ask God to help you think of things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, Go down that list as many times as it takes. Get out a piece of paper and a pen. Write down things that match up to whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, until your thoughts can kind of settle and maybe you can go to sleep. And if you're having trouble staying off the screens when you can't sleep, maybe ask somebody to help you set some boundaries that make sense for you. Have a wise person help you talk through and set some boundaries. Write down your boundaries. And then that kind of takes some of the weight off of, of you making the decision because it's like a decision that you made, signed off on, okay? Um, so under physical and chemical causes of anxiety and depression, the first is no sleep. Second is diet. And I'm not talking about for weight loss. Um, I'm talking about just not filling your body with super unhealthy things that make all of your troubles worse. When I was an ADHD high school student and then college student, I had a lot of days that I called zero focus days where I had no ability seemingly to make my mind focus on anything. And I still have these sometimes, but it's way less now because in college I started to figure out some strategies about some things how I was eating and drinking could help me or hurt me with my ADHD. Name your problem. There's some ways that you can tackle this with your diet. Um, and it doesn't work for everybody the same, but I, what I figured out with my, uh, lack of focus was if I saved the carbs and sugar for supper time for the evening, I could focus a lot better during the day, go with, uh, more protein, 
Um, and I love me some bacon and eggs, and that's great. So like protein during the day, breakfast and lunch, save the sugar for dessert after supper, and I could focus a lot better. That may not work for you, but look at your diet and see if you're filling your body with dumb stuff. If you're drinking a lot of sugary energy drinks in the morning before you go to work, it'll, I mean, it'll get you moving, but maybe not moving in a, in a profitable direction that much. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I, do, I do some caffeine during the day, but I, I cut down on carbs and sugar. Um, whatever works for you, but you, you might need to look at that. Um, I increase protein and veggies during the day. It helps a lot. I don't do it all the time. Sometimes they come, I come into the office in the morning and somebody brought in some uh, pastries from Angie's. And it's really tough for me to say no to little glazed croissants from Angie's. Okay, I don't always stick to this. But when I do, it helps. Um, and if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, your diet can definitely contribute to that. Um, Cut down on those sugary stuff, energy drinks. Um, sugar gives that rush crash thing. That's not helpful when you're dealing with anxiety, depression. Drink more water. That helps almost every chemical imbalance that we have. Um, we're not sure about unfiltered Eldo water. Uh, <laughs> science does not net yet know what that does for you. Um, no scientist who ever studied that was ever heard from again. Um, <laughs> So we don't know. There's a conspiracy probably going on there. But beyond, that, but beyond that, you just have to kind of experiment. Ask your doctor if you need to. Don't just assume the food and drink that you like the best is, bed for, is good for you. But also, don't, don't just assume that the food that you hate the most is good for you the most. If you just eat a pound of kale every meal, that's not going to help. It'll make you full of despair because kale is terrible. And... You know, that, that'll just make your depression worse. So, you know, it, if, yeah, that, that is good preaching. Amen. I don't have any verses on this one, except the Bible does tell you to care for your body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I really wish the Bible had told us that eating kale was a sin because it is the worst. But if you can drink more water, eat healthy stuff, even if you have to go to your doctor, it gives him a lot easier time, right? Like, even if you have to, to go to other means to help anxiety and depression, if you're drinking enough water and eating enough healthy stuff, it makes everything else easier to figure out. Make it easier on your doctor, okay? Um, so the next part of physical and chemical causes of anxiety and depression is exercise. You saw this one coming, not just because it was on your paper, but because it's just obvious. Find something that you don't hate as much to do for exercise. Um, if you, you know, if you have a friend who does like runs or, or lifts or whatever, and you're like, I hate that so bad. Find some kind of exercise you don't hate as bad. Okay. <clears throat> playing sports video games does not count as playing sports. That's not exercise. Um, curling your donut to your mouth is not a workout. Um, find some real exercise. Uh, go, you know, go walk with, um, walking with a dog is great. Um, walking uh, in the woods with your kids is fantastic. Get some exercise. Um, and, and then medications. If you're trying all this stuff and, it, and it's just you're still really struggling, you might need to see a doctor and get some medication to help. And there's no shame in it. As long as you're not using medications, 
to cover horrible decisions you're making with the rest of your life. You know, medications don't work when all you're doing the rest of the time is making horrible decisions. Okay. So if you're, you know, if you're doing the thing with water and diet and it's, you're just not quite there, it's, it's fine to go to your doctor and try to get some help with it. Um, so the first cause of anxiety and depression was physical slash chemical. The next one is huge for many of you. And that's trauma. When we have trauma, when we've been hurt, there are several unhealthy responses we tend to go to. And the first one is that hurt people hurt people. I think that makes sense. But just in case, when you are hurt, you tend to hurt someone else in response. Hurt people hurt people. Some of you have been hurt so deeply that it seems like it's taken over your world. It's all you can think about some days. You can't see any way around it. And if that's you, often it's because someone who was hurting turned around and hurt you. And if things go the natural direction, chances are you're going to hurt somebody else or hurt yourself too because of that hurt. Being hurt fuels bad decisions. When you're hurting, you're much more likely to make a decision you otherwise would not have made. You buy something that's a waste of money and time. You get drunk or high to numb the hurt for a while. You go for a relationship move that you know is bad for you and probably bad for the other person. But it's a decision that you make because you're hurting. You cross sexual boundaries with somebody you're not married to. You start a flirty text thread with somebody else's spouse. You make a decision because you're hurting that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have made. And even though a significant part of you knows that you'll have regrets about that. You make these decisions. Maybe you trash the reputation of the person who hurt you. You gossip. You fight. Being hurt fuels bad decisions. Being hurt also fuels addiction. And these are obvious. Substances, sexual addiction, porn addiction, obsession, obsession with your body, your hair, your weight, your image. Um, just addiction to conflict. I mentioned when you get addicted to those fights in the comment threads or get addicted to those shows where it's all about conflict between people, you get this addiction to other people's conflict. Um, when you're hurt, addictions have more power. And here's my advice for all these kinds of unhealthy responses. Once again, look at Jesus. We said that at the start because when you're hurt, all you see is your own hurt and the other people around you who hurt you or even just envy of people around you who don't seem to be hurting. Our eyes, when we're hurt, our eyes tend to be pulled away from Jesus. We look at ourselves, other people. Look at Jesus. Keep your attention on Him instead of on the hurt. He said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Are you tired of hurting? Come to Him. He gives rest. He gives peace. And for some of us, when we've been hurt, we, a part of us, holds us back from coming to Jesus because we don't want to let go of the right to that hurt. The hurt becomes a special treasured thing that we hold close to our hearts. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.
Some people who are hurting will say, I need, I, I can't live like this. I got to get rid of this. But there's also a part of them that says, I don't want to let this go. I don't want rest. This is part of who I am. Jesus says, come to me. Something else, when you're dealing with anxiety, depression, these things, it is not taking your eyes off Jesus to seek wise counsel. Jesus Himself talked about how we serve each other. The body of Christ serves each other. The the book of Proverbs in the Bible is full of advice for seeking wisdom, listening to those who are wise. And I say, keep your eyes on Jesus, yes, but it's not taking your eyes off Jesus to go to a counselor. It's biblical to go to a counselor. I say that, and I'm going to tell you this, and I kind of got all, all up in my head about whether I should say this from the pulpit, but I go to a counselor every so often. Um, talked to, talk to him uh, two years ago, several sessions, and then every so often, kind of, I, I check back in. Um, and I tell you that not to get like you feeling like, oh, well, Jim's, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to get you to focus on me. I'm trying to just admit to you, like, I do this too. And here's the thing. We have, some, in, in, you know, rural manly culture, we have this idea that if you talk to a counselor, psychiatrist, whatever, that it's somehow like, oh, that means you're crazy. Or, you know, there's this stigma that we still carry that has to do with counseling, therapy, all that. You know what that is? That's believing the lies of the devil. Because the Bible says, seek wisdom. Listen to those who are wise. And there are so many counselors, therapists, psychiatrists who are not like some wacky liberal new age weirdos. They're solid followers of Jesus who have wise counsel to offer you. And if you need to talk to a counselor, I told you I do that because I want you to do it too. If, if there's a need for you to seek wise counsel, then you better do that. Don't, don't go out there and try to make your drinking buddy be your therapist. That guy doesn't know anything. The, when we seek wise counsel, we are obeying the Word of God, the inspired Holy Word of God, okay? All of you who think that there's this weird stigma about counseling, you're wrong, and that's a lie from the devil. Have I been plain enough about that? Okay. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, it counts to listen to wise counsel as part of this, remember. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, the things that we're facing sort themselves into proper perspective. The next thing is spiritual warfare. And this is kind of obvious, I think, to a lot of you. Basically, the devil, the enemy of your soul, has been lying to you your whole life. He's been lying to the human race since the Garden of Eden. He told Eve, God doesn't really want what's best for you. God's hiding something from you. If you take this fruit, though, it'll be better. God's plan was this, but he doesn't really love you. 
Try the fruit instead. Spiritual warfare is that the devil is lying to you. And that lie can take some other forms. You're worthless. You're too guilty. You're too messed up to ever have any hope. Everybody hates you. You have no friends. There's no hope for you. It's always going to be this way. All that kind of stuff. God doesn't really care about you. God doesn't really love you. There isn't ever really going to be any change for you. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser, that's the devil, of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. The devil accuses even people of following Jesus. He accuses them of being guilty and worthless and hopeless. He's a liar. The Bible says when he lies, he speaks his native language. And he's fighting to get you to believe his lies. That's spiritual warfare. And it's aimed at making you anxious, depressed, hopeless, and trapped in slavery to the lie that God doesn't love you and that it's always going to be this way. The next verse after the one I just read to you that called Satan the accuser, here it is. They triumphed over him, by, they triumphed over the devil, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Jesus' blood is the blood of the Lamb. He died to set you free from slavery to the big lie, and the word of your testimony is the way you tell other people and even remind yourself that you believe what Jesus says is true, that He is who He says He is, that you are who He says you are, that when you repent, you confess your sins to Him, He forgives your sin, He cleanses you, so that makes you right in God's eyes. That you are who He says you are, that you believe Him when He says you're His because of His blood paying the penalty for your sins, making you clean and new and giving you eternal life. Being unashamed to say those things out loud is a powerful word of your testimony to others and to yourself, and it helps you overcome. Let's look at Jesus. Again, Jesus said this, John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In all this spiritual warfare, he's already overcome. He's won it. Last one, divine discontent, number four. Divine discontent. This is the last cause of anxiety and depression, but that's not really accurate because this isn't actually anxiety and depression. This is what I call divine discontent. Instead of making you spiral downward, this is an unsatisfied feeling, a dissatisfaction that is holy. It points toward hope and light and peace and freedom. The first kind of dis, uh, divine discontent that you experience in your life is conviction of your sin. I don't want you to leave today and feel better if you are living your life in rebellion against God. If you are in sin and you're not willing to confess that sin and repent of it, turn around from it, let it go. If you are sinning, I don't want you to leave here today and feel better. Because God brings a holy sadness, a conviction about your sin that you know you've done wrong and need to be forgiven. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 to some people who were under this kind of conviction of sin. He said, yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. 
For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance or turning away from your sin that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. All these other kinds of depression and anxiety are darkness, and they are part of what the devil used to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But godly sorrow, the sadness that God's Spirit brings on you, letting you know you need to turn from your sins and confess and be forgiven, that kind of sorrow brings repentance. And that's turning from your sin, being saved from the sin and guilt and despair and death. This godly sorrow is a good sadness because it leads to freedom from those things, leaves no regret. Your sin doesn't have any power over you anymore and you're free. And then... The next kind of divine discontent, this dissatisfaction that's holy, is a calling to go higher. To follow Jesus in a higher, deeper, more committed way. This can be scary because it's easier to just keep going the way you're going. Do what's familiar and comfortable. But he calls you to more. Philippians three thirteen and 14. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead... I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Upward call there is talking about the call that we get to heaven, but there's also a calling to step up, to move forward, to get into places where we're not in control. And without Jesus, we'd be in serious trouble because we're depending only on Him. And when you get to that point, He can make you unsatisfied to get there. That it will feel kind of the same as like anxiety and depression does because you're unsatisfied with what's comfortable. You've got, to, you've got to step up to accept his call to go higher. He's trying to get your attention and call you to serve in his kingdom. And he does this not to make you unhappy, but to lead you closer to himself. When you listen to this calling, there's this huge universe of joy, fulfillment, peace, and strength that opens up in front of you. You're closer to Jesus. You're making a difference that will last beyond just this world. You're part of the biggest story of all time. And that divine discontent makes you unsatisfied with anything less than his best for you. You might be unhappy because of chemical or physical things. You might be unhappy because of trauma, of hurt, or just this messed up world we live in. You might be fighting a spiritual warfare battle, or you might have a holy sense of being not quite satisfied with your life as it is, Because he's calling you to repentance or he's calling you to go higher and serve in his kingdom. Would you stand? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you give peace that surpasses understanding. Thank you that you give victory over anxiety and depression and all these things when we depend on you. Help us to seek godly counsel if we need to. Help us to make wise decisions. But most of all, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep our eyes on you. Not on the hurt, not on other people. Help us to keep our eyes on you. And thank you that you call us to more. You have a place for us to serve and you're calling us higher. Help us to answer that call, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.